Hey, my name's Marnie, and I am starting a podcast called Maxim and Marnie. And that might connotate that Maxim magazine that you've heard of, which is Pretty Girls. So I don't hate that it connotates that. But that's not what this is. Maxim is also a synonym for truth. And I find truth and vulnerability and authenticity to be um, beautiful and championable things in people and human stories. And so my goal and my intention for this podcast is to interview people specifically in my church community because I love that community and I think to grow it richer and more deep with in relationship with each other is like one of my biggest priorities. And so I think to hear people's individual stories and make them real in all of their beautiful and messy lives and stories um, makes them more connectable and it makes us be able to live in a world where we give grace more freely. Because even though I would love to say the expectation is to give everyone grace all the times, it helps to know people's stories, I think, to do that because we're not Jesus. Um, but it helps us to be more like Jesus, I think, when we know people's stories. So that is my goal. Um, so my first guest, which I'm really excited to have, is Pastor Ryan. We have three pastors on staff at our Savior's Lutheran Church in Naperville, Illinois. And he's agreed to be my first guest because he also has a really fun podcast with really fun boys. Well, thank you for having me on. Man. Uh-huh. Um, and what I really want, my goal, is to have you tell kind of your coming-of-age story, and I'm going to ask you questions. Yes. Um, and I will lead you through that. So I, what I really wanted to do was start in Ohio. You okay. were born in Ohio. Yeah. And tell me about who you live with and who are all those roommates that you live with in Ohio. All right, we're going way back. So I was born in a little town called Eden, Ohio, kind of like the Garden of Eden, but spelled differently. And um, it's a town of less than a thousand people. And I have tiny, tiny. So that is a one class of a high school here. Yeah, my my class there that I graduated with was um, we started with seventy seven, and then seven girls got pregnant, and so we graduated with seventy. And yeah, wow. um, and I'm one of the, the, the rare ones that got, got out. A lot of people stayed there. So both my sisters are still there in the area. So my, my household that I grew up in was that I have two older sisters, uh, Val and Katie. And um, the relationship with Val was a little bit different because she's like seven or eight years older than me. Okay. And Katie was two years older than me. And I'm the only boy, and so it's unique dynamics. So um, best way to say it, my, uh, my mom was the health commissioner of the county. Uh, my dad was the principal of the elementary school. So he was actually K through 8 uh, principal, and now it's all in one building. Like that's uh, And so, so imagine, like, a pastor's kid and, like, all eyes on them, but then – it's the elementary school principal's son and the health commissioner's son. So, like, I had a lot and of And she eyes came on me. and spoke about sex. Is that right? Oh, boy, you're going right in there. I like, just remember that right, right now when you I said that. I forget how I shared that with you, but, like, my probably most embarrassing moment growing up was that my mom was also kind of like the sex ed teacher, and it wasn't done in school, of course not. And so uh, sex ed was taught at churches for like fifth and sixth graders. And so my mom, when I was in fourth grade, would like make made me go to it. And the requirement was that the, the kid going through sex ed had to have their parent present. And since my mom was working, she's right. like, well, your father needs to be there. So like I was scarred by both parents that being there. And then like my dad, who's the elementary school principal of mm -hmm. all these kids, right? Saying like, no, Brian, the, the ovaries go here on the puzzle of the, the female reproductive system. <laughs> it's just like, you know, like my living hell could have been like that moment right there. It was horrible for you. Oh God. But you know, on the plus side is I, I knew a lot about like sex and anatomy. I was and just going to say, so my so friends came to me that moment was dreadful but in your home was that a really open dialogue um i grew up lutheran but i feel like i grew up evangelical in a lot of ways so uh, sex is uh 
to, to speak about sex was a threat. And it was a really cool thing in the 90s to like give yourself to chastity and I'm not going to kiss a woman. Yeah, wear the or, ring. Yeah, I'm worth the weight kind of thing. So that was really in my face a lot. So we didn't necessarily talk about sex, but I had the books and the knowledge uh, to teach my friends, you know, when like they would have a pregnancy scare or just be stupid, they'd come to me. And they also came to me for like religion as well, which was probably like an early sign that I was supposed to be a pastor. Like I retained knowledge when it came to sex and faith, which is kind of fun to say out loud now. Yes, it is. Yeah. Um, so in that house, your grandparents lived by, your aunts and uncles, you grew up with cousins, or it was you, you know, your kind of smaller your nuclear family. Family systems. No. Uh, so my, my mom's parents uh, have been dead. I've never met them. Um, my mom has two brothers that I've never met because of alcohol and drugs and the cycle of addictions. And You've never met them because your mom did not have like maintain no, a relationship I remember through as a that. Kid, I remember as a kid knocking on their doors and knowing that they were inside and just not answering. And so they withdrew. They withdrew until about like a year or two ago and when they wanted to meet me. One of my uncles wanted to meet me at a pizza place. <laughs> and I'm like, this was like two years ago. Yeah. And and I, I've battled a lot with like, what does reconciliation look like? Or why would I meet my uncle in a pizza place? And Are I they sober? Um, one is the other. This one, one the pizza. The pizza guy is sober, and I decided, you know what, that relationship needed to be repaired between my mom and him. Yes. He's not existent in my life. I didn't need that in my thirties, so I opted not to meet him. But but um, she did. Oh yeah, yeah. She's reconnected somewhat with him. The other uncle, you know, it's really unique. Um, he was the studio drummer for the Grateful Dead before the Grateful Dead was famous. So like, do you know about studio drummers? Like studio yep. instrumentalists. So Ish. that's the, essentially that's his only claim to fame and then i think he just did enough drugs to burn out post vietnam that uh um he chose uh those sorts of things over a relationship with family that's fascinating to me that they've survived 20 years yeah yeah but i think it's i think it's sad it's uh there there are relationship issues within my family that i don't necessarily hide from but but yeah, it's real. Um, and so then your father. My father, his um, his dad died when I was like five, so I don't really have too many memories of him. But they had like a kind of somewhat broken relationship because um, he uh, got divorced from my grandma and then remarried and kind of chose that family over us. And um, so there was a big moment like when my grandpa met me for the first-ish time when I was like five on his deathbed and i i remember being at his funeral but that about that's about it for him and were are you able now to look back and see how that affected your dad oh yeah yeah we in um my the excuse always was you know i just thought my dad was like a principal and i thought all dads were maybe a little rough on the edges but my my dad was really good with other kids, um, and the excuse they my mom always told me was, you know, he uh, he he didn't have a father, so he he doesn't know how to didn't see that modeled right, and so then that repeated with you. Yeah, how do we get so deep within like five minutes of your podcast? Sorry, <laughs> no, it's fine. So do you so, think now and, and to jump ahead, but then I'm gonna jump right back again. Yeah. Um, it's interesting to me that you were raised by a man that was warm to others but then perhaps more strict or more is that the words i'm putting right. out there more strict yeah. more yeah um was he like that with your sisters no they well and they have a relationship now too but um i don't think so different I, with you it was different with me maybe because i was the son and so that was yeah. inherited from uh -huh. his like yeah. Journey. And, and my thing is like every parent's I don't think I don't think my dad has regrets, but like every parent's gonna choose how they discipline their child, how they love their child. Like I have um weird memories from my childhood of uh my relationship with my dad. I thought that in his retirement that things would get better and it worked for maybe like six months and then um, he's just a quiet guy. He's just a quiet guy and maybe just doesn't know how to do that. And that's going to be his excuse then. Cause like, mm -hmm. I don't know how to be a dad. I'm a dad. Right. That's time. what I was just going to jump to. So then how are you intentionally choosing to parent Wesley? I name it, claim it, tame it is my, my theory on a lot. Say it of one things. more time. Name it, claim it, tame it. So I name it. Um, I have abandonment issues or, uh, I don't want to 
I don't want that relationship, or this is me claiming it, I don't want Wesley to have that same relationship with his father that I had with mine. And because, and again, my dad could have said the same. Sure. But he's like, this is all I know. So I'm choosing to then uh, tame it and say, okay, I need to be active in Wesley's life every day. Um, I need to, uh, when people are messaging me and saying, can you have a meeting tonight? And I've been gone for m- multiple days in a row, and Mandy and I have an agreement that I can't be gone so many nights a week. Um, I need to tame it by by choosing family over work. And um, I'm not perfect at it, but I'm going to. But I'm going to go ahead and guess that that was modeled for you by someone else in your life. So yeah. not by your father. Who would you say? Um, so I have parent figures. Um, Texas. Yeah. Herb and Kathy Palmer. Um, and, and so the unique thing was my parents introduced us. Herb was my dad's fraternity brother in college. And he's a, you know, was a pastor, has family. You know, his kids are all in Texas. And um, Herb was my sister, my oldest sister's godparent, Herb and Kathy. And what happened was my parents wrote into their will, hey, if anything ever happens yep. to us before our children are 18, here's who they go and live with. So at least every year, if not every other year, but every year, we would see Herb and Kathy on vacation. We would see them and we knew who they were. And um, I loved them from a very young age. And from the time that I turned 18 and went off to college and uh needed to do internships or any kind of break instead of going back to Ohio I went to Texas and you know they lived in Houston for a while and I did many things in Houston just to be in their house and uh, with them and then now they're in Austin and so we're intentional about family trips Uh, we're intentional about when their boys want to come up here with their families we house them like they are my family but it was it was a really hard uh and unique learning curve that I had when I moved in with their family um, because like, oh my gosh, a family sat together and talked at dinner. And that was really hard to train me after 18 years of like, literally you would eat by yourself. and Because or, people were just so busy, they weren't home yeah, together at the same yeah. time. So the household that I grew up in, you know, I would, um, up until age, from six months old to age 12, I was taken to the babysitter uh, starting at 530 in the morning and picked up at 830 at night. And, um, so like, imagine this, like, and I want to be very, I'll be truthful on your truthful podcast. I don't think I did much homework, Marnie. That's (laughs) so good though. And my dad is the principal. uh, My dad's the principal. And uh, when was I supposed to do homework? Yeah. You know, like who, I remember the babysitters. Because there were multiple kids there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh this was gosh. like an in-home daycare. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, And like the Sue was like a second mom to me growing up, you know, who watched us. But you know, like Muppet Babies? I feel like I grew up in the Muppet Babies. <laughs> like literally, like there, for Sue was that. anybody who doesn't know, that's like a new show that both of our children watch. <laughs> it's newer for our kids, but like I grew up on the Muppet Babies, the original one. So and like funny. there was the one, I forget the teacher's name, Miss Pat, Miss somebody, but she's always got like a uh, polka dot, like leggings on because she's taller like i remember having like this this tall adult just around me all the time (laughs) this is so stupid but this is honestly my childhood yeah and like it it sucked when like my sisters went off to school because then i was just with the little kids kind of by myself all day long it was great like we had tons to play with but like yeah um i never i didn't spend much time at home so would you say you're friends with your sisters now no yeah I, as mean as that sounds, no. They, they, my, my, my family. I'm the only one that has left the, the system, and um, Mandy tries really hard for us to have a relationship with them and their kids, but um, it's hard because when you, when you're in that system and you don't see anything wrong with the way you grew up or with your parents, and it makes, I, I'm the black sheep of the family. That's. I don't think that you look like that. Well, it's, it's fine. Like, uh, counselors have convinced me now that this is why I'm a pastor, is uh, I'm on a eternal search for um, people to be in relationship with and call my family, and... Um, you know what I think is fascinating, though? Lots of people could have a not-so-great childhood and then some choose to carry that on their shoulders in a way that they can't go on and they yeah. blame all of their choices on it. And you have said, this was my childhood. 
this is what happened. And now I'm intentionally choosing to live a different way, but I'm not blaming anybody. So Tony Robbins, is it Tony Robbins or Robinson? The guy who walks on the fire. Yeah. Is that Robinson? Really, really tall gentleman. Yeah. Inspirational. He he has a documentary on uh, Netflix. And so, I mean, like we're talking about, like it's only been out for like two years. So I've been battling this, pretty much naming it since I was 18. Got it. But about two years ago, came out with this uh, documentary and he confronts a, a woman in the crowd who's going through something and she's blaming her father for his addictions mm-hmm. and he twists the words and says, when are you going to stop blaming him and start thanking him? And that was the most freeing thing for me because I can sit here and blame my parents all I want for the childhood I have, but I would not be here if they didn't do those things. Though every it's really moment, beautiful. Every, I know, and it's very freeing as soon as you... And like not everybody gets gets there. to have that because they have great relationships with their parents. I don't. So I had to, I have to be freed by this. I cannot be consumed by it because I have been for many, many years, Marnie. And it's uh, not, I'm not cool when it's eating away at me and I'm not perfect at it. But to thank them and know that I get to stand on this ground right now with this, I, I wouldn't have, ne- I would have never been prepared for Mandy had I not moved out of the house and lived with Herb and Kathy who helped me to figure out what kind of wife and family I wanted. And um, I've have amazing people in my life who helped me break these cycles. But that's, that's how I'm, that's how I'm here. That's why I do what I do. Do you have any friendships from high school? I have like two. Okay. So people you still? Yeah. Facebook? One, no, I'm not on Facebook Sorry. anymore. One, I have one male. No, no, no. Okay. Well, this is the unique thing too. My town is so small. Yeah. Okay. And who my dad was and who my mom was, but specifically my dad in my town, people, I was, it wasn't easy to make even friends there because like if you're in trouble at school, it was like they associated their trouble with my dad and then with me. And so, um, you know, in starting fourth grade until I graduated high school, I, I was given a nickname, which was Bill. Um, my teachers called me Bill. Everybody called me Bill. My name is Brian, just in case we didn't say who I am. But um, it, they called me Bill because that's my dad's name. And um, so from fourth grade until 12th grade, imagine like essentially teachers, teachers calling you bill i had one teacher that did not call me that they, he called me by my my actual name um and what you just laughingly went along with it i tried to or? get it i tried to stop it the whole time the whole yeah. time so a lot of my friendships from high school that i still have i have i, I have two from my high school the rest are outside of my high school from the neighboring towns because I, I essentially just like screw this like this is stupid not you know, even having your own identity friends. right yeah so my close i have um close friends from from the high school era that lived in other towns and and we have helped each other through a lot of things um yeah but were you ever in a fight did you ever scrap it up physically so if you listen back to the taco about god podcast there's a podcast called talk about moses and i talk about pretty much like the most physical altercation i ever got in which was i'm covering up his name but it's close to moses um he threw a rock at my head because he was pissed at my dad about something and how old were you um, I had to been like fourth or fifth grade and, and like to be physically assaulted. Yeah. Um, so there was that, I remember like my friend growing up, Ryan and I would like wrestle and fight, like really get pretty fight, aggressive. Like, get so yeah. pissed at each other and fight. Yeah. And I just, I, my dad never taught me how to play baseball. He never told me how to like work with cars or fight. So like I knew nothing. And so, um, yeah, the only other, yeah, that I didn't really get into altercations. Physical and did altercations. you uh, fall in love in high school? No, not with my definition of what love is. Okay. I had, when I had was a girlfriend time... I was extremely infatuated with in high I school. I think. Why, and why do you want to say that's not love? I would say that's still real. Oh no! <laughs> why? No. no. Okay. So this girl. It was reciprocated. Um, we, no, I don't know that it was. She cheated on me a lot. Um, Yeah, she cheated on me a lot. And like, there's just small town, just drama. Like, Hmm. my thing is like, I, there's so much in my life that I just leave in the past. You wouldn't own that, okay. And they tried to follow me into college. You want to call that? Like, (laughs) 
she she knew well that if she kept me close enough you would want to yeah right and so as soon as i cut it off with her like a month later i met mandy oh wow yeah okay so that's an awesome segue so tell me about you and mandy falling in love um, you met at Valparaiso College. We met at Valparaiso University. Pardon me. It's okay. Um, <laughs> I don't know why I corrected you there. Yeah, we met at Valpo, and we were both in the music program. Uh, I was a, a theology major with a music minor, um, but she was a, a studying to be a music educator. And so I remember I was a sophomore when she was a freshman, and I remember they would encourage freshmen to sign up and perform in front of all the, the music students. It was called like a colloquium. I could never say that word correctly. but um, So she was cocky enough that she's like, she was the first to play. I mean, so it's she's the first, super pretty to paint right. the picture. So you see this tall, blonde, beautiful girl, really girl talented. play the French horn in front of all of us. And I, I remember the moment I saw my wife. <gasps> okay? Forever. Okay? And then, like, uh, six months later, you know, we're in class together. And I'm annoying because I'm, like, this upperclassman and I'm cocky. And I whistled at her you know, trying to like... Like a construction worker? Like, totally. Yeah, but they were walking through, but she was with my friend Michael. I like it. And Michael's gay, and so she, she's like, hey, Michael, he's whistling Whistling at you. At you. Yeah, so, but um, it was these little back and forths then, and um, finally, I convinced her to... <laughs> I convinced her to like AIM was a thing AIM. Do you remember that AOL had like an instant messenger? Fuzzy. AOL instant messenger was a thing in college for us, and so I convinced her to give me her screen name, which was Maui Mandy to you, because her aunt lived in Maui and she would like stay there in Maui for a while. That's Jamie. So, right, right. So um, I could picture in Hawaii. Yeah, she's all tan and She's blonde. a good looking. Yeah, yeah. yeah she Surfer fits in well. Girl. Your little, like, uh, what's the shell necklace that you uh-huh. have? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I, I lucked out. Um, we dated for a while. I convinced her somehow, like, this date. Well, that was actually a fun start, too. So I convinced her that I needed help with music theory. Yes, tutor me. Yes. Teach me in the ways. Except, like, I'm one of those music nerds where, like, it just comes naturally to me and I didn't need a tutor. Yeah. And so it took about a month to figure it out that I was just, like, flirting with her and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, it was it was like a weird, cheesy relationship at the beginning. We dated. Um, it was nice. I, I liked her. She liked me. But then, like, a year to a year and a half into the relationship, she would say these little things. She'd be like, I wish... I met you in like five years uh, when like, then, when, then we can be serious. She and wanted she to still said, dance around a little bit. She yeah, didn't, wasn't ready. She said it enough to me that I broke up with her <gasps> in a practice room at the, at the VUCA where you like, the music fine. students, um, go hang out with other people. If you need to do that. Kind of was bitter. Cause I'm like, why, who why would, would someone that, that loves you? Love yeah. is a big thing. Would someone that loves you, loves you say that. She and wanted so, to sow some oats. Well, something. <laughs> so I'm like, all right. So I let her go. Um, and, and she was pissed. She was hurt. She has every right to be. But um, it was good that it happened. And How so, long were you apart? About a year and a half. Oh. So she dated guys. Oh, wow. She, I thought you were going to say like months. No, a year and a half. She dated guys. But she would like call me up and be like, hey, let's go to the movie. Hey. Uh-huh. And like we would be like we would like kiss make out you know like everything would be great again and i'd get my hopes up yeah i'm like we're "We're gonna get back together and this would happen like once a month once every other month for that year and a half because she still loved you do you know what she did what she'd call me then the next day be like we can't we can't see each other anymore and then she would like radio silence like she'd ghost me for because she still had some wild horses well yeah and i can't blame it like she never dated anybody before me you know, and then like there's a serious relationship in college. And so you you have this opportunity to figure out what's out there. She also had her parents and all of her friends saying, "What? don't lock yourself down. Huh, take, take this moment. Bad advice. But here's the deal. Marnie, I had to grow up too. You know, like yeah, I. Yeah, but interesting. I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't say that I think you have to compare to know. 
and I would, I'm not, it's her journey. I'm not going to interview you. I'm not even, I'm not judging her, but I'm just saying my best friend married her high school sweetheart. Yeah. And they for sure had some times, right? Cause you're in college. And I remember him emailing me and saying, do you think that like we should date more people? I haven't dated that many people. And I was just like, I don't actually. I yeah. think that like, if you know, yeah. you don't need to hang out with Tara and Michelle right. to know that she's the one. Just know that she's the one. I think that's great. Except like statistically, it's like 5% of high school <laughs> sweethearts. Oh, well, I'm not even saying high school sweetheart. That was a specific <laughs> situation. But I'm saying, yeah, interesting. For yeah. all those people to tell her well, or I, to even believe themselves. Like, nope, you need to hang out with some other people before you know. But I also know. think, like, you probably see the best me. And, like, I'm not I, – I went through how many roommates in, <laughs> in, in college. Okay. So that, what do you think was the biggest thing that changed in the year and a half before you reconciled? Um, I just, I needed to be out on my own too. I needed to, and I wasn't like dating. I just needed to mature and figure out what I wanted to be for the rest of my life. Mandy was there for me though. Like the, the saga with my family continued. Like when the day I graduated college, um, my family was there. My sister, the middle child, Katie was pissed that she had to be at my graduation. Like, mm-hmm. okay. So there's Super this inconvenient and what, for her. whatever the princess wants, the princess gets. And so I remember my parents, un, um, taking boxes from my dorm room and cause I, I moved back onto campus cause I thought that was a lot better than living in an apartment and putting that stuff into their vehicle and them saying, okay, we'll see you at home. And like, that was like a two and a half hour trip. And then Mandy, making a comment like, wait, they're not taking you out for a to celebrate graduation lunch. And so like Mandy and a few of my friends took me out. Like the, the, I, I needed in, in that year and a half, I needed since the time I turned 18 to ask some big questions. Cause I was very naive to the world that I lived in and, uh, how people were to treat one another and what family should look like. So I had to live with Herb and Kathy uh, during those times. And I remember... Wait, what did you just say? I had to live with Herb and Kathy during those times. Herb and Kathy. Herb and Kathy I thought you said her being Kathy. No. Well, well, so... Herb and Kathy. Got it. If you you ever get to meet Kathy, and that's... I was... Oh, my God. This would be a fun night. To have you... In my home with Kathy and Mandy, you would quickly realize I've I have found Kathy. Okay, so like I I my I live with the Queen of Clean. Mandy, oh, like you married Kathy. I have found a woman very similar to Kathy. Oh, I love that. And that is a compliment to both of them. Right, right, yeah, right. Like, um, yeah, that's like awesome. Marnie, actually, I don't want to cry often. It makes me want to cry when I go back through my phone and see pictures of Mandy and Kathy together. Yeah, because it's just this relationship, um, a mother-in-law relationship that uh, I could not give her uh, through my bloodline. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> um, and what would you say? How would you describe your marriage to Mandy? I've heard you say before um, how close you guys are and how often you talk to each other. Yeah. What would be another adjective that you would say is you guys right now? Um, my adjective and what's what your listeners need to know is you gave me like no heads up. I have no clue <laughs> where any of this is coming. There was no a pre-producer call that let no, you know all the questions, no. and then we discussed them. Yeah, all. and I've started to do that with some of our <laughs> our guests that are coming up on our show. Um, an adjective that I would use to describe my relationship, not Mandy, but our, yeah, our yeah, relationship, yeah, yeah, I would say it's growing. Because, like, our family's growing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, Mandy and I have had challenges early in our marriage and in our relationships that have helped us to over-communicate with one another, to give a lot of grace. And um, I'm an extrovert who's out there, and I'm a public figure. And um, what a lot of people don't know is um, Mandy's my filter, and a lot of things have already been passed through that filter. That's how much I talk to her and trust her. And it's not that I'm telling her your family secrets, but... 
Man- Mandy is... You're sounding bored. I, I, I have the last name Wise, but Mandy is my wisdom. You know, Aww, so, so, yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Well, like, you, I, I see you and Brett together. Like, I know you're in love. You know when couples are in love. I'm, I'm crazy about my wife. Like, I feel I'm, like we're in a bit of a valley right now, so that's good that <laughs> you said Oh, please. You're, you're a couple that we look up to. Oh, and, 19 and, years. You know, you're going to have them. Absolutely. And I, so I sit here saying, like, we're not we're not a perfect yeah. uh, family. We we fight all the time over stupid things like socks. Yeah. You know, but but it's roommate it's, complaints I feel like will diminish for you. Yeah. Um but yeah, we're coming on 19 years and it's been interesting because he's been really stressed with work. Yeah. Um I and about I would it say the that. last six months, I feel like he can't there's nothing else for him. To like at night when he's on the couch, yeah, he can't. He just he just can't. And I think, nineteen years in, I can go. Okay, so, we're here right now, and yeah. right now this is where we are. Right, right. And in a year and a half, you're gonna be showering me with you know words of love and affirmation again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. But I think because you've been through it, we've yeah. been through that, and we've come on the other side, right. and I get it. This and is just where we are right so, now. So, but I've I I've made mistakes. So in my first church, I, there were a lot of tensions and things that I was bringing home, um, and uh, Herb came, my dad came to visit, and we had him out to dinner, and I remember us sitting on this patio outside because it was kind of nice out and I went to the restroom you know and I come back and Mandy's crying Mm -hmm. and so Mandy immediately walks off to the restroom and I like what yeah what did I do and Herb who's a pastor you know says we need to have a talk so I'm like why am I in trouble what did I do and he goes look and this was at my last church too and he goes in 10 years when you're gone from this church he goes, there are going to be people who are going to struggle to remember your name. They're going to be like, that mm. pastor, what's his name? That was here just for those few years. He goes, she, and she's pointing to her empty chair. He, she goes, she's not going to forget your name. Yeah. Don't take it home and don't take it out on her. And like, oh my God, like Mandy and my relationship changed almost overnight. Uh, to, That's a real testament to you. That's amazing. Well, and how, I what a to gift hear. to have I was him being an in, ass, yeah. And I was like, because Mandy cares so deeply about me that, like, she she knew the tough situation that I was in in my first church and these arguments that were happening daily, and and it was causing a lot of anxiety in my stomach. And um, Mandy would call me throughout the day, like, "Are you okay? Are you okay?" Yeah. And so, like, then we would get home, and she's like, "So then, what happened? And then what did she do? And then what did how how did the, you so handle this?" So it was just this? all and, you. And and I could never be off. And so we made agreements on like, there's certain things I can't share with you. There are times where like. I'm just on the couch and I just can't do life anymore. And and she gets it now uh, over all those years of ministry. But that was that was within my first year and a half of being a pastor. Um, so. You became a pastor. I have seminary. Um, but I am actually really curious because our last pastor, um, well, I don't know. Anyways, a past pastor that we've had, yeah. was it was a very... Um, sad moment for me when they were leaving and they talked about how alone they could feel and how lonely a pastor career can be. And that made me really, really sad because I feel like you are always around people and giving to people. And so that makes me sad that you're not feeling that connection. But I, I would argue that I feel like you do that better or is that just perception and talk about that? Um, so we play a game in our family. Um, and it's before any of y'all will see us. It's called, are we on or are we off? And so like when you're on, there's certain things you don't say or ways that you act and, and just you uh, know that eyes are on you. And, and that's okay. Eyes are always on me. But when we're off, you'll see us just slightly more authentically. And it's not that I'm a fake person. Um, but here's what's tricky. At this church, we tend to be way more off than on. I tend to be the same person here in, fr- in front of you at this podcast than I, as I am when I'm preaching. Um, so I had way more boundaries set up at my last church that I, somewhere that were just given to me. And and so uh, that that's just how I would propose that. There are uh, people that will never know that we're on. They just think we're just, you know, uh, I don't know how to describe it, but that we're 
more it, it is a very lonely place when you can when you only are on so there are pastors in really small towns you know towns of a thousand people and you know your congregation you go to the grocery store you fart everybody knows and and that's the kind of place that i grew up in you know we live we live in st charles this church is here in naperville so there's a good like separation 35 minute drive so when we go grocery shopping we don't see uh, people but when i go to hugo's down the street here i see preschoolers and their families and i'm like hey your parents are bringing you to hugo's for dinner (laughs) that's awesome b I'm I'm still drinking my drink in front of them though because I feel like there's just a cultural acceptance here at this church Absolutely. that you can drink your pastors don't have to be perfect so it's on us then these are made up things if a pastor chooses to always be on always formal never relax that's on them because the people here want to know the real you and that that's what was sold to me when I was interviewing here is that um, authentic which look at my story too like I don't like fake relationships. Right. So I need I need real relationships. So the more that I'm on, the more like uh, anxious I am. The more I'm off, the more authentic, real I am, and um, yeah, I'm better. I have a question about the Hugo Frogs comment. Yeah. How do you frame um, not making as much money as the people you serve? How do I frame not making as much money as the people I serve? Well, like I feel like the, you are at a congregation where there's some really great affluency here. Yeah. Um, and as a person who went into being a pastor, does that not even do you not even think about that? Do you not care about that? Or are there times when you're like, huh? I know. I was really nervous before I accepted the call here to Naperville because it's easier for a, a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich person to enter heaven. That's in the Bible. Yep. Okay. And and so I'm like, wow, there's a lot of wealth here. You, do I need to preach on this about like sharing? And I have seen the most caring, the most generous people. And, um, and the fact is that my fam I don't receive a salary I receive a stipend or uh, the best way to say it is I I I receive a gift on behalf of the church rather than like hmm. uh, agreed this is the the contract so that's the difference too uh my my ability my livelihood is on people being generous with the gifts that god has given right and so i don't want to uh, shoot the foot or hand that feeds me you know like it's i i really truly believe that people are extremely generous they understand they are blessed by god and if you only knew the gifts that come in our doors and quickly out our doors to help somebody that is struggling to help feed people around this world. I've never been surrounded by generosity as I am here. So that's awesome. Right. And again, that's authenticity. That's not that's not a fake. We need to do this for a tax break. This is this is real. These are real people. I've watched people that were hurt from the church before I was here. Um uh, say, you know what, because of the relationship we have with you, because of uh, the way that we've seen this church change and the energy, we are now going to come back and, and, and give and participate. And, and, you know, I don't do what I do so they do that. Um, I We're in this together. So And, and just so you know, I give we give as a family. I know. I find that really Um, fascinating. Yes, we give. I knew people that did not give and they said, my tithe to the church is paying off my student loans that I took on your behalf. I think that's horrible. (laughs) (laughs) That is not at all what stewardship is. is. No, right. And I get that you're giving and that, and and then I would assume in your head that pot is going to our loaves and fishes and all of the organizations we support. No, I give generally. I give to the general budget. Mm-hmm, I give mm-hmm, to the debt. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we also give to a lot of organizations right. outside outside of our church because we care very deeply about other not for profits. And yeah. and what I, what I love is because like I live in this world where I'm constantly working with um, you know not for profits or charities. But I love when Mandy says this is one I care about because then that if you want to get me behind something financially that I want to hear it from Mandy and then yeah. we're, we're we're in we're volunteering we care so so just know that like it's not that I expect others to give we we give as well and that's how I it just works I think it's an interesting dynamic yeah. um 
Uh, being a pastor, uh, I feel like you're a little bit uh, opened up to people giving their opinions or being critical of you in weird ways. What is a way that people have done that in a helpful way? Yeah. And what is a way that people have done that in a not helpful way? Well, I have helpful ways like all the time, like people that will just be like, hey, you're you're moving too much when you're, <laughs> you're just like turning back and forth. And uh, so like uh, I'll, I'll name her Kathy Ewald, um, who goes to our church at Celebration, is a Dale Carnegie coach. And so uh, she gave me an incredible gift to go through the Dale Carnegie course and learn how to present and speak to large groups. And um, it's a gift to me. And so she's constantly coaching in a healthy way because we, again, are in relationship Have with that. one another. I've had people that I've, I've had phone calls, not too many here, but phone calls on like a Monday that of somebody that would just be like, yeah, I didn't like your sermon. And A, I don't have a relationship with them really besides them just showing up. And B, um, thanks for not giving me anything to work with. You know, like it's, so it's hurtful. Um, through like my weight loss journey, even like people would look at Mandy and say, weren't you afraid he was going to die? <gasps> yeah. Or, like, um, yeah, I was so nervous. I would pray to God that he wouldn't have a heart attack. Like Jesus, man, like don't. So people are very real with us and we have to have thick skin. Yeah. Um, we've had people, I, I think it's more, I get defensive over Mandy than me. So I just, I forget that somebody has said a jab, but for Mandy, like people compare her to the last pastor that was here at celebration and how she raised her kids. Sure. And I, I really almost raised hell Yeah. because they told my wife, how dare you, you don't even know us. Yeah. How to, how to handle Wesley, our yeah. two and a half year old. Like, nope. you are so disconnected from reality. And, and Mandy takes it. Hmm. And, and then guess what? Right. And then we go and hang out with our real friends here and outside of here who um, get us over it. And you let go of it because they're just words and they hurt. But yeah. I just, if hopefully people will listen from our church, that they could be um, more helpful and, and think about that. Because I think sometimes <laughs> when you're up on a stage, I don't know. You see, yeah. I don't know why, why people think that they could do that or well, why they, because they certainly would not think that that would be reciprocated. Or is it it's fair? not like you could say to the person who said, I don't like your sermon. You'd be like, I really didn't like your sales pitch the other day at your office. Like well, it's, it wouldn't I be done like ways. that. I can list the ways that volunteers let me down all the time, you know, but that's the difference is you're not, I don't work with paid staff. I work with volunteers, right. people who say time and time again, they're going to help me with something and then don't. Right. I can't treat them like that. Right. And, and I have to coach them. I have to build them up as leaders, but like, it's so unique too. This culture that we live in that expects a pastor to create a 12 to 20 minute sermon that is creative and relevant and biblically sound and and passionately told and how dare you use your manuscript it, there's all these demands right and but then I the longer I'm here at celebration the more I'm like I like these people. I know what I can say without writing it down. And so so it's like both and. But it's it, when, when we drop the ball, like you got to give us some grace because it's there's a million things running through our mind. And every time we want to write a sermon, that's when we get a call to the hospital. Right. That's when we have a high schooler coming in and talk to us about their their doubts and uh, suicidal thoughts. Like we, we encounter so much more than just a Sunday morning preaching. And I, I don't know that people are always willing to... Give us that break. A hundred percent. Do you have um, any ideas or thoughts on the shift of the way the church is going right now? Ooh. Not just ours. I mean like the church as a whole. So when you say shift, you mean like um, the millennial generation is the least religious, not just Christian, but religious uh, affiliated uh, generation. Is that that shift? Um, I guess more like a church culture um, of becoming, I just feel like there's a real shift of questioning the Bible and um, knowing how to interpret it correctly and being thoughtful and intentional about that or um, the way that churches serve. I just feel like there's a bit of yeah. a shift there. So the way we interpret the Bible and questions and doubts that we have, I think we're always there. 
if you go back to like our Jewish roots, you know, like uh, that, that was a practice and a behavior that was acceptable and okay. And um, so you'll, there, there's a really cool thing that you can see, like uh, Jewish rabbis and their disciples, the people that followed them, would just ask questions back and forth of one another. And, um, and you knew that you were following the right rabbi if like some of the questions led to better answers, but uh, you, you aligned yourself with that. So I'm not threatened by questions or doubts. I, I feel good about it, but I think that, you know, Pre-Vatican II, Vatican II happened about 50 years ago. And so what, what happened uh, in the Catholic Church is the Pope said, hey, we need to be in dialogue with other kind of Christians and, and we need to uh, be open to those relationships. And so Lutherans and Catholics for about 50 years have really worked on our story and our relationship in repairing what happened about 500 years ago. And what that has done is allowed all these other churches, uh, Episcopalians and Methodists and all these other churches to finally be talking and be in the same room and that's called ecumenism when we're together and one thing that we have found in common is there's uh, mainline christians which were a part of this protestant tradition and roman catholics that we um we weren't really having our people read the Bible. The Bible was maybe read to them compared to an evangelical tradition, which uh, memorizes one-liners and and you know. So so for me, I think a big thing that I would encourage people to do is read read the Bible and see what it says. Don't like we're we're like almost like in an age of enlightenment where um, we've heard these stories of the Bible, but like to sit down and read it, like oh that's where that is or that's what that says. But give yourself permission to ask questions. And, oh, by the way, the Bible is never read alone. It was read in groups of people. I was just going <laughs> to say, I just feel like when you say read the Bible, I get so like, ah! right. because right. I get nervous because I feel like, you know, I've been in so many Bible studies where people will share their opinions. And right. I don't, sometimes that's frustrating to me because Very. I would rather have some, I would rather re have you read the Bible in accompaniment with some education or with somebody who has done sure. the background or the research. So read a that threatening along environment. with. But, but I would never do, I would never encourage someone to read it alone. Yes. Because that's my thing is. 100%. Because if you're reading it alone, then you have this question maybe yeah. in your head or your and heart. Then you, and then it's there. Yes. And then you beat yourself up that you're doubting. Or, am I doubting God? Yes. Am I doubting that this is real? Or yes. uh, why, why would God do that? And my thing is we were intended to. to these were stories that were told. Intended we were for us to question. Yes. Yes. And, and so I feel like now in America, the last 200 years, literally, we have now changed what the Bible and these scripture texts were meant. They were meant to be a community. They were meant to be questioned. And now we have this culture that says it is truth, nothing else. If you don't believe it, you're out. Uh, you have families that are torn up by this. You have families that are rejecting others because of this. And the Bible has become a weapon instead mm -hmm. of a book of love. And and that's my thing is like, how about a loving community? Talk about these things together and do it educationally. Do that historical narrative. Do uh, what what would this mean to Jesus if Jesus is our Messiah and how we relate to Jesus? You're allowed to interpret that. But then you're also allowed to talk about, so what does this mean for us 2,000 years later? And it's okay. But you have to have a pastor tell you it's okay. You have to have groups of people telling you it's okay. And we live in a really scary world and culture right now that um, um, I pray to God people hear either your podcast or hear really good authors who say, that's not what the Bible was meant for. I yeah. love that you say a weapon. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. I just feel like so many times people will take out a line, a verse. Yep. Um, completely not contextual, completely not right about what that even and was intended to say. what you'll see most times in our sermons is they will give us a chunk of reading about Jesus' life, right? And what do we do? We'll tell you what happened before and what's happening after. Right, which is Because huge. it's the Bible is not meant to just be a one-liner. It's not. And if you zoom out, the whole book is about love. Um, oh, who's our who's our author you and I were talking about? Enns. Um, yes, Peter. Peter Enns. Um, his comment, his question is always, what is the point of the Bible? The, his point of the Bible, in which I really like. Mine is, this is a book of love. But his, his interpretation is, this is a book of people describing who is God. 
And that's each book, each story is someone saying, asking the question, who is God to me? And telling that approach, that that narrative. And so look at Genesis 1 and 2. You have two different creation stories. I love that. These are people saying, who is God? Why why is God here? How does, what 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 is the point of life? And, and I'm okay with the Bible being asked those questions. I'm not threatened by two creation stories or Jonah not being swallowed by a big fish. I'm not threatened by it because... Um, I can understand who God is in the end. And, and I think you have, to, you have to be in a community asking those questions, doing those things. I love that. Have you read Rachel Held Evans? Yeah, I was really God sad to hear her about her, her passing. So uh, her last book was phenomenal. That, I want to read it. And Do I it. don't really read those books, but I really want oh, to read well, it. Oh, well, and she's, she's great. Because she's that real... is, it goes through the whole Bible and tells, yeah. 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 Yeah, she's she's great and um starts with an I. What's it called? Um I probably have it mm-hmm. in my show. All right, well somebody um, look it up. <laughs> yeah, somebody will Google it. But she she's incredible about, you know, telling her story well too. And not being damaged goods, but like being who you are today because of it. And like there are authors like Rachel or Rob Bell or a lot of people where I'm like, are they Lutheran? By some of the things they're saying. And and actually, that's not even the question. Not even the, yeah. Because it's not, I don't want to be a cookie cutter Lutheran. Right. We're Christian. This yep. is how we understand God. And to be able to interpret that and share that with a community and a generation. Yeah, I pray that people use her as a resource and them as a resource. I am going to look up what it is. Okay, while you're looking that up, yeah. my last question for you. Thank you so much for your time. Yeah, of course. Um, are what are some dreams that you have for our faith community? Sorry, searching for Sunday is one of them, but I don't know that. That's nope, the one I think you're it's the about. I one, and it goes along yeah. with like a story of the Bible. Yeah, there's there's some really cool. Uh, it's um, her most recent one. Rob Bell did that as well, where like to tell you the story of the Bible in in the order or way it's supposed to. A lot of authors have done it. It's pretty cool, to, right? To hear. Okay, sorry. What is my dream or vision for for our specific faith community? Okay, so our or specific- a dream. So one one dream or prayer that I have, I pray to God a lot about this one, is when I was called here, I was told we're two campuses, one church. You know, what are you going to do to help that happen? And so I pray a lot for for that because um, we're people of reconciliation. We're people. Uh, I don't think we should just solely look at our past. And you know, like this church has a rich history, uh, but God is not done with our saviors yet. And um, I feel the two campus thing has been really tricky for for uh, our saviors to it's been divisive at moments. There's been debt. There's just a lot of stress. And, and I feel like we have such great opportunity before us of we're almost done with our debt. We, we are growing in a world that is shrinking. Uh, we, we are not seeing that. So we're on the verge. My, my prayer is how do I get people engaged, involved? How do I have them uh, see this as their home? Um, I, I'm in charge of membership here at Our Saviors. And membership is more than just like a you can now vote there's a members meeting and, and receive envelopes and give. Uh, but to me, membership is saying, I want to be a part of the body of Christ. And so I just want people that um, find their their home here at any of our services with any of our pastors in any of our ministries and understand that we ourselves are not competitors against ourselves. They are us and, and stop that. But also maybe then my prayer is that we as a church community where there's a hundred churches in Naperville start saying the same about those hundred churches too. Like they are us. They are doing amazing things. If somebody leaves our church and goes to theirs, that's okay. And uh, that if people probably don't know the pastors were all friends. <laughs> you know, like I went to seminary with many, several of them in the area. And so, um, and we get together and we talk about you all. <laughs> and so, so I would say my dream, my prayer is just probably for more reconciliation and just the ability to, to uh, stop. We got to stop putting up roadblocks and get back to just what did Jesus teach us and tell us to do? Go out, make disciples, preach love to all people, feed them, clothe them, you know, welcome them. And and I think when we do that, we're our best selves. So. I love that. You're so great. 
Um, to wrap up, thank you so much for being here. I wanted to say Thanks a special thank you for being a really faith leader in my family. Specifically, you've been walking this road with our oldest getting confirmed and having lots of questions and doubts and really meeting her where she was at with education information, but also... Um, a space for grace and growing. Yeah, um, and so that's just been a huge blessing um, in our house. And so we are quite fond of you and um, say lead on. So thanks for all the time and all the sacrifices that you do for our faith community. Absolutely. And I, I'm psyched. Uh, okay, I, I do need to share this. I was a little threatened by you saying you wanted a podcast. Okay. Because. In competition with the Really Talk About God. In competition and people are, people are going to listen to this podcast. Like if you, if, if you're out there and you know who Marnie is, um, Marnie, you attract people and I think uh, you you have a background in this. You know how to speak. You know how to ask questions and interview really well. So immediately, because we've had you on our podcast, immediately I'm like, Marnie's going to have more listeners. I'm going to have five. More subscribers. I believe what Adam more, Magnus you're going You're going to have more um, advertisements. Uh-huh, yeah. And well, I... I, I want to see you succeed. So that's why I'm like, Marnie, you're going to come in my office and you can use my equipment. Thanks for being I'll my be your producer. producer. Yeah. I, so in future ones, I think it's just going to be you and somebody else, but I will be here as your producer. I love making it. sure this works well. Cause yeah, I'm, Thanks I'm very, I want to see this succeed. supportive of my journey here. Yeah. And I hope that I can have lots of people on. And if you want to be on, let me know. Okay. So do they have to be just from this faith community? I would love to begin there. Okay. I would love Maybe, to yeah, your really first season grow is that. just our saviors then. I would really, really love for people to hear people's stories within our faith community. But what if you just call people out right now? And you just oh, say, who I want to have yeah, on. You say well, their I names. Definitely want to have Pastor John and Pastor Emily on because I think that's good, and I think Stephanie would be great and very important. I think okay. Steve Spayer would be really good because okay. I think he's really articulate and wise. Who else would you think that I should have on from our saviors? Yeah, um, Gene Jepson would be interesting. You have to do non-staff and non-council members eventually. You oh, only I was just saying leaders. I, you're right. Yeah. I really have. So I, 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 I want to be I, I as your producer i'll be off mic and and maybe try to say what about so and so as a crazy i think well, really, oh, i would love any of them I, to I be know, on carly nasman told here, me she wanted to do it so i could definitely yeah. have a high schooler on already I, I, my challenge for you i know one person actually that i would have you interview i'll say their name offline okay um is new to our community and i think you should talk about like so what's it like to be new here what, and then you talk to somebody who's been here for a long time. Forever. What's it like to be here a long time? And 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 because I think you'll see hear both voices. Yeah, and like because here at Celebration, half of our worshiping community has been here less than five years. At Celebration, I, I got that actually the day you and Brett preached your sermon. You're on my wall actually of pictures. Um, um, okay. I I did a scan. I said, how many of you have been here five years or less? Half of the community. Raise their hands. So that's my thing is I think we need to be talking to some Well, I of think we'll new. do celebration people and main campus people. Where's main campus? I'm joking. <laughs> no, reconciliation. All right. Okay. Well, thank, thank you, you so much. It was fun to play. Next time we'll have a, a theme song and an exit song. Oh, are you going to do it for me? I'm going to make sure. Because I was actually thinking that would be really fun if you did it on your guitar. If I wrote you an exit song. And you and Ellie could jam on or something. We could totally figure something out. Yeah. So something soon. But yeah, way to go. Way to go, Marnie. I'm so Thanks, psyched Pastor for you. Thanks, Pastor Ryan. All right. Bye, guys. Bye.